I, I, yeah, I'd be very curious. I mean, it comes down to making my faith my own, right? I, I recognize it's similar to, it's the same as my parents, right? Yeah. And so maybe that alternate reality would be same as my other parents. Yeah. And I would, um, and I would see my story through that lens. That's a possibility. Sole reason for your beliefs, pretty much the whole post, mm -hmm. I, I think, mm -hmm. would be would be God. Yeah, who if, I am in Christ. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's my social truth. In God. You're right. Okay. That's that's an accurate definition. Yeah. Would it be Would you be comfortable talking about your belief in God and Absolutely. the reasons why? Absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Absolutely. Uh, I guess. Uh, what makes you believe in God? Yeah. So. Um, you know, I don't know if you YouTube or looked up my background or story. No, but, actually I didn't. Um, yeah, so basically before um, I was even born, my dad was married to his wife, had two daughters, was a middle-class naval officer in the Russian Navy. He played in an orchestra, had beautiful handwriting, super organized and clean and OCD. He'd go to my aunt's house and take a clean glass from a cupboard and wash it out. <laughs> um, and life was going well. Then he went to a submarine train exercise with 29 other men in there or people maybe there's some females on there um, and there's an accident the submarine sinks 27 of the 30 men on board died because there's not enough air in the submarine um, the third one pulled out his pistol shot himself and so my dad and this other guy witness 28 of their partners drop they get rescued my dad goes through severe PTSD yeah. in fact he comes out and he spells our Russian last name Bezhensev uh, instead of a, a sh with a z. And he took it from its original meaning to Bezhensev, which means refugee, actually. It's kind of interesting for huh. how many purposes. Okay. So yeah. my biological name is Ivan Gennadievich Bezhensev. So he comes out of there and goes, turns to alcohol. He mm -hmm. becomes a heavy alcoholic. He's never around. So his wife and two daughters leave him. And then he meets my mom, Zina. Uh, she was a waitress at a restaurant. They meet. Um, never married, but they're together. He's 52, she's 45. They have a 10-pound uh, boy. Uh, I had to break my left collarbone to get me out of such a fat chunker. Uh, <laughs> got me out. Um, within the first year, I had it was really bad. Cold, asthma, you know, my aunt and family get me to hospitals. I survived that all. But my dad's never around, really. You know, he's drinking oh. his bodies. It's my mom and my aunts and uncles would come check on me. I'd be in a crib, unchanged, unfed, mm. just sitting there. Um, age of three, uh, one of my first memories of my mom, uh, we're dirt poor, uh, minus the support from our extended family. My dad and I go to recycle some glass bottles to make some extra rubles. And Oh, this is in Russia. In Russia, yeah. Okay. I was adopted from Russia, yeah. Uh, Tomsk, Russia. And um, my mom's painting the ceiling. And uh, I remember my dad and I go, we went under a rail, parked railroad, dropped off the models, bottles, got some money. Um, come back and I vividly see my mom in, the in that living room with the white paint spilled all around her. She had a heart attack uh -huh. uh, when I was three. So from there, between ages three and five, my dad's not really around even more and my mom's not even there. So I, the I hunger... She, she didn't make it? Uh, she died. Okay. She died. Sorry yeah. to hear that. Thank you. Um, so three to five, we're dirt poor. I don't really have a support system that's there constantly, minus my aunts and uncles who come and change me and support me. I'm walking the streets of my neighborhood asking my neighbors. I didn't feel like I was begging, but I was asking them for food and help. And three to five, they helped me out and gave me that support. 
Um, and age of five, my I have three aunts, two uncles. One of my aunts, my dad's sister, is like, hey, we're going to adopt you. We're going to get you in and get you a stable place. Uh, Russian government says, hey, you have two kids. Can't have any more. Next best option, orphanage. Yeah. So orphanage, I'm in an orphanage ages five to ten. Spent five years there. Again, it wasn't horrible. You know, I had three meals, nap time. It wasn't one of your horror story orphanages. Okay. I mean, one time I got whipped with poison ivy. I guess that was pretty bad. Uh, but other than that, it was mostly just a rubber slipper and, you know, not the end of the world. Okay. Uh, but then, you know, I believe that there is a higher being, a Russian Orthodox, go to church, stand a whole service. There's no seats there. Um, so orphanage, five until ten, age of six. Get selected, stay with a host family in Spain. You stay there for a month. If they like you, they adopt you. So go there for a month. You can speak Spanish and hopefully it went well. I was a sassy kid. I locked my host mom in the bathroom once, so they probably didn't like that. Come back from Spain don't hear anything. Um, obviously, they don't want me. So here, you know, I don't have a family, you know, mom and dad in Russia. I have extended family who are amazing. I love them. Yeah, yeah. So I don't have a family in Russia to an extent, not one in Spain. Um, and I'm an orphanage trying to be accepted, trying to find my purpose. Who wants me, right? Um, age of eight, get selected again to go to Long Island, New York and stay with Kevin, Elizabeth, Kevin um, and Elizabeth in, in New York, Long Island, New York. Number one was very unlikely to be selected once, but I was selected again. Uh, I probably just sucked up to the teachers and the principals, let's be real, right? <laughs> um, so go to Long Island, New York, um, summer of 2000, age of eight. I think it was July through August I was there. There's a picture of me actually with the Twin Towers in the background while I'm in the ferry, one of my favorite pictures. Stay there for a month, didn't speak a word of English either, you know, give me a break. So through a translator and a pocket, you know, book, no iPhones back then. Right. And I thought we got along, it went well. Come back to Russia, no word. And so there I said, if I can put on an outside, an outside appearance, a self that was happy and said, hey, like me, I'm a good boy. But inside I was just crushed. I mentioned yeah. all those things, insecurity, yeah, yeah, bitterness, yeah. unforgiveness. And um, so there's a follow-up to what happened in New York, but not wanted there. So um, two years forward then, I'm 10 now. Um, at the age of 10, not to me knowing, but a couple from Wisconsin, Paul and Don Kepke, a 29-year-old Paul and a 31-year-old Don, have uh, three of their own kids, and they uh, wanted to adopt two more. So anywhere in the world you could adopt. Where could yeah. we adopt? Well, hey, Grandpa Kepke, he was in the Russian, he was in the Vietnam War, and he spoke Russian because he translated Russian communications in the Vietnam War. Let's adopt from Russia. All right, they go to Russia. They want a girl who's five and a boy who's seven because that's a nice gap from my older brother Tyler, about five years apart. Yeah. Come to the or younger orphanage, find Galena. They love Galena. Things are great. Come to my orphanage, 200 kids, find Peter. I don't know this is happening, but my friend Peter left side of the orphanage, third story, room on the right. Everything's looking good, right? Um, as they're on their first trip, the Russian government says there's a change in adoption law. The first trip is to see your kids. And then you come back for the second trip to finalize the adoption. And, and my parents are like, well, how do we afford a second trip? Each kid is $17,000. Yeah. Time off of work's running out. I said, we'll come back and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll probably just stick with Galena then. Um, and so they come back for the second trip to finalize that and our grandparents, our church, friends come in with amazing financial support to not only fund that second trip, but to have enough for a second kid. So oh, you're wow. thinking, why did I adopt Peter? 
Well, as they're doing the paperwork, they said, well, Peter, let's go ahead with the seven-year-old. They said, Peter's no longer eligible for adoption. My parents like, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Peter's been adopted to, with a family in Spain or Italy, one of those two countries, I forget. Um, so the translator, social worker, principal say, well, we have these 20 uh, tapes, video cassettes, DVDs of kids who have stayed with host families in the past. They're eligible for adoption. So 200 kids in the orphanage, 20 DVDs. So my parents don't get a DVD from the left side of the orphanage on the third story on the room on the right mm-hmm. where Peter was. They get a DVD, well, one of those 20, from the right side of the orphanage on the second story on the room on the right. One day I get called down to the principal's office. I was a normal kid, right, for my standards. Not a normal occurrence. And I come in and there's two people, mom, well, now mom and dad, Paul yeah. Don Kepke, mm-hmm. sitting there. Um, social worker, translator, principal, the other principal, have a 20-minute conversation. All I remember is I lived somewhere that was cold. They had a trampoline in their backyard. At the time, there was Menominee Falls. That was about it. Super nervous. I was like, ah, here goes another one. You know, I know how this drill works. Probably will never work out. Mom tells me now, she's like, Vanya, the moment you walked into the room, I knew you were the one. Um, which, you know, whether her or God's prompting, it could be a combination. So I get to adopt at the age of 10. Um, and I'm like, it worked. I was a good person. I put on an outside happy self that it fooled them. It worked. It worked. And I thought all my dreams would come true. I was in a loving family and my siblings were amazing. My parents were great. And I, and my parents would be like, Vanya, but Jesus died for your sins. And if you accept him in your heart, that he's the Lord of your life, you can be forgiven. I said, no, if you're a good person, you will be fine. I said, I pushed back on my parents. I said, if you're a soldier, who's fighting for your country, and you didn't accept Jesus in your heart and you died for the country, that soldier's going to heaven because he or she did good work for for the people. <laughs> and a Harley break here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Yeah, so, um, so that was 10. And then two years later, and I know my parents were praying for me, and I was just thinking about, we're going to Iwana at Crossway Church, First Alliance Church at the time in Germantown, Wisconsin, driving down, we're driving down County Line Q, and um, my dad and my older brother Tyler were in the car, and I started asking questions. I said, you know, I love my life. I love you guys, but you guys have something, a puzzle piece inside of you, I can tell, that I don't have, and I, I need, that's something that you have in my life. I said, Vanya, well, it's what I've been talking along. It's just, it's not a religion, it's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He can fill that void. The Holy Spirit can fill that void. It will not make your problems go away, as you can see, um, but it'll give you an eternal assurance. It'll give you hope. It'll give you purpose. Right? I was hoping. I was searching for hope and purpose for 12 years. So we pulled into the Walmart parking lot. It's J.C. Penny now. Um, we prayed for about 20 or 30 minutes, and nothing happened. The sky didn't open. Jesus didn't come down and hug me. But I, I broke down. That a heart of stone finally broke open. I, I cried and I sobbed. All that pain that happened to my family, that happened to me over those years. I, I could, I, not physically, but emotionally, I could feel that embrace from God and the Holy Spirit saying, Vanya, you have a purpose. You are loved. You belong. And no matter how far away you were, God was and Jesus were there right behind me by my side. And so from the age of 12, I just turned 30 a few weeks ago, for the last 18 years, I've made mistakes. And I'm a sinner. I'm a person. But for those 18 years, that has been my purpose and my identity because of the amazing work that God did. The odds were against me from that submarine that my dad should have died in. I shouldn't be even thought of. 
And so then I actually called the Gallagher family. New York, I know what happened there. I have some pictures. But the Gallaghers gave me a uh, Kevin Elizabeth Gallagher, not no relation to a congressman, mm-hmm. from New York, the host family in New York. I want to clarify that. Yeah. I called the number saying, oh, just wondering, you know. And I was 17, seven years after me adopted, I called. And Elizabeth picked up the phone. She starts crying. Well, at first she start, says, who is this? I said, Vanya. She's like, who? I said, Ivan, because they called me Ivan. And then she starts crying. She says, Vanya, we were in the process of adopting you. I was like, oh, good man, Giants fan. No. Um, they were in the process of adopting me, and she had, she had breast cancer. So that spent, took about the first year of that time when I was 11. Then by the time they got back to that second year, she fell down and broke her leg. Rehab. So about two years later, they come back for me. You know, ten, from 8 to 10, what happened? Well, my parents came for me, Paul and Don Kepke. Yeah. And so I've been in touch with them. They're my East Coast family. <laughs> Um, so, sum that all up, you know where I was, mm-hmm. and I can see where I am now with Christ in my life. I'm not perfect, yeah. but God did a redeeming work in my life, and I live every day just to be a better example for him. I, I know I fail, I know I fail, uh, but I try to be a better life for him, to give people who are looking for that purpose, who are looking for that hope, who are looking for that definition, who are looking for that source of truth, and I, I want to at least be a light and a spark for that conversation. Okay. Thanks for your patience. <laughs> yeah, no problem. It, it was a great story. Thank you for sharing it. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to ask my next question. Mm-hmm. But before I ask that question, I'm going to ask a different question. Yeah. Make sure it's okay to ask this question. Please. <laughs> Absolutely. If, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. uh, you, you determined that God... In Jesus, mm-hmm. uh, that it, you, you were unsure if it was true anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think that you would be okay with that? I just don't see a life without that. I mean, that is the identity of who I am. And I mean, Lee Strobel, who was an atheist, went to pursue proving that God, you know, God is not real. And this atheist, Lee Strobel, wrote the book, The Case for Christ, mm-hmm. right? Okay. And, um, we, but we, there's, Plenty of examples of pastors becoming atheists, right? It's not, yeah, not yeah. the source. But I, I truly am so confident and assured that beyond the 80 or 90 years or heck, however many years God gives me here, that in eternity, whether in heaven or hell, and it, it's overwhelming to think about what if. People say, there's not heaven or hell. Okay. But in the smallest chance, what if it is there? And an eternity of a million years and a billion years, and a trillion years, and five trillion. Uh, it's overwhelming. I'm like, well, I get bored. It's overwhelming that we're in purity and worshiping God and doing our work and tasks without pain, without sin, without sorrow, without traumatic experiences. And to me, I say, you know, if what if that is the case? I firmly believe that is the case. But for those who don't, mm-hmm. even if it's half a percent chance, what if? It would break my heart to not do everything on this side of eternity to make sure those people send, spend eternity in heaven in the love of Christ, who is by them by their side at this very moment, and eternity in hell. I am I am willing to stake my political aspirations, my personal aspirations, to an extent my social status aspirations. I could be a very neutral and a popular and have a lot of followers and likes and. Uh, in, in a way I do, which, thank you. Uh, but uh, I know I've sacrificed and lost friendships, and sure. even my older brother and I have agreed not to talk politics. We have chose to put family first. We don't yeah. agree 
politically, spiritually, but he's the best man at my wedding coming up in November. Oh, um, and I love him to death. So oh. it is on me to sacrifice anything I may gain from this world, my status or anything, to give those people that hope. And if I had the privilege of being part of two people praying with them because I haven't accepted Christ, those two were worth it. Okay. If that's all I got out of this life, those two were worth it. Um, so what if there's that small chance that God is there? So to answer your question, I, I, since 12, I cannot picture my life without it. Okay. It is my core conviction that I'm willing to die for. Okay. Absolutely. I guess, wording this question in another way, Yeah. and probably a few other questions yeah, would absolutely. do the same thing here. Yeah. Um, if, for whatever reason, I guess, if, if you lost that, Mm-hmm. Would you still be? Would you still continue being who you are? Would you? Oh, no way, no, no way. way. With Car- no. without Christ, I am. Okay. I-, I may try to be good. I may uh-huh. try to be popular. I may try to get all the followers and the friends. But without that source of truth, that foundation of my life, okay. I can build a really fancy house, uh, a great Vanya on a sandy foundation. Yeah. But when that storm comes and destroys that sandy foundation, I'm done for. And so um, I'd rather build a foundation on a rock like Christ. Okay. But okay. Um, so, I mean, without, let's say I was an atheist. Yeah. So I probably would get on board and, you know, not, I would take this status, anything related to God I take out. I'd say, on this day, we are mindful and respect for all. No but, there's nothing about God. It'd say, we support basically everybody to do anything you want with your life, with your choices. We love you for who you are. Uh, if you feel you should do that, go for it. And man, if this thing snowballs from a, a really a good idea of taking these individuals, these gay and lesbian and transgender people who were bullied and hurt, and Bill Clinton stepped in and said, hey, we got to not bully, we got to love people. Yeah. It started with such good intentions. It's a beautiful thing, and I'm all for that. But without God, I'd be, there's no snowball effect. Hmm. There is no okay. such thing as what happens in schools with the, the pills, with the homework assignments. There's no such thing as taking pedophiles, sick people, and calling them minor attracted people. I wouldn't, I would be, you know, no. Because as long as I... I mean to cut you, you know. off, but you mind if I get to the question? Yeah, okay. please. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I don't. Yeah. Mean, I, no, okay. no, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Um, so, your story—it was—it was an amazing story, and praise God. Yeah. And I'm—I'm I'm wondering if that story was just the same story, with one thing changing. Let's say instead of it being mm. adopted by somebody in the United States, yeah. Let's say you were adopted mm. by someone in Southeastern Asia. Yeah. Yeah, and instead of uh, mm. them having a religion that's popular in the United States, let's yeah. say it was um, yeah. Hinduism, Taoism, something like that. Yeah, I would be a totally different person. Yeah, do you think that you'd be telling me the same things? Like if we were talking mm-hmm. in this alternate reality, I guess. Sure. You could say, yeah. Would you be telling me that uh, the reason that you believe that all the multiple gods of Taoism or Hinduism mm-hmm. or whatever it doesn't really matter? Yeah. You would be believing, telling me that um, the same reasons for those religions? I, I, yeah, I'd be very curious. I mean, it comes down to making my faith my own, right? 
I, I recognize it's similar to it's the same as my parents, right? Yeah. And so maybe in that alternate reality it would be same as my other parents. Yeah. And I would, um, and I would see my story through that lens. That's a possibility, but it comes down to making that faith my own. It's not something that's going to be forced. Again, it's okay. between my heart and Jesus' heart, right? Okay. So could I, see, could I see the conclusion being in a different faith, but the same story? Yeah, because the story stays the same. Yeah. But the outcome, foundation of a personal relationship with Jesus or multiple deities yeah. in alternate reality, sure, I, okay. I, sure, I could see that. I, I guess let's... Let's say we're talking, and I, I brought a buddy with me. Mm-hmm. Let's just call him Josh. And Josh yeah. is sitting here, and he's listening to you, Vanya. He's listening to me, Pierce. Yeah. And, um, and I, well, actually, I kind of set this up wrong. No, all good. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say we got Josh. Yeah. And we got Peter. Yeah. And, and, and you're listening to Josh and Peter. Yeah. And Josh has a very similar story to you. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that. Uh, he's he's a Hindu, and yeah. we got uh, Peter over here, and he's a, a different religion. But they both mm-hmm. uh, came to their conclusion. They had, maybe they had a similar story than you, or maybe it yeah. wasn't as similar. But they both uh, have a personal relationship with their God or yeah. gods. Okay. And, and and you're over here, or there's another person over here listening to these two people, and they're both kind of using that same method mm-hmm. to determine that they're. Mm-hmm. Uh, religion is true, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How would a third party look and figure out if they want to know what is true, yeah. figure out who's right and who yeah. may not be right? Yeah, well, I think the foundation there is Christianity is the only religion where the God came for you to pursue relationships and Son Jesus to that first sense, mm-hmm. compared to every other religion has you earning and working towards that deity to be lower. And God may sell himself equal as man right so he came for us that's a main difference right mm. so there's that difference it's very unique every other religion you go towards to be here guy came for us and it's a relationship over a religion so i guess you wouldn't think that perhaps a shinto might not have a relationship personal relationship with their god or god that's not possible or i think it's it's possible okay. but based on the theology of those religions it, yeah. it doesn't work that way where the guy came for a relationship it's a religion of do's and don'ts hmm. but beyond that's kind of the foundational thing but beyond that i mean you like lee strobel in the case of christ right perfect example an atheist um you have to look at the archaeological evidence right you know the where is the burden of proof and so when you look at the accuracy of the bible and the archaeological records it is more accurate than shakespeare itself as more copies than some of the most ancient and used articles, um, that stack is way higher of the consistency and the actual physical proof. Uh, and we continue to see archaeological evidence over and over with discoveries that are consistent with the biblical timeline. Uh, so by no means am I a theology expert or a, a religious historian, yeah, but that, you would need those things as well, right? And so when I look at the three things, my relationship of how the guy came for me, the, the, the proof and the, you know, some of these things in the case of Christ, but also what is the evidence that I've experienced in my life after I accepted Christ from the age of 12? Now, I didn't become a millionaire or a pastor by any means, mm-hmm. but there are almost daily moments for those last 18 years where I've seen the fruits of what God has done in my life and is doing in my life to 
make me pursue him that much more. Um, I'm not forced. I, I feel the hope. I feel the love. And my purpose and identity is rooted in how God both has challenged me, but also blessed me in the last 18 years. Okay. I guess, so you got to kind of have, no, if you don't like my term, I can use oh, okay. any other yeah. word here. No, please do. I'm Russian. Don't remember last time I was offended. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I guess your story, uh, are you comfortable with me calling that a personal experience? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. So, yep. with regards, we got, like, personal experience here in my left hand. Yeah. And then we have, like, archaeology mm-hmm. in this hand. Yeah. And then you also mentioned, like, a, a vast... Uh, uh, copies of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, which one of these holds the most weight? Which one gets you to believe? Which one is like uh, the biggest reason for your belief? I think it, it, like anything, comes down to our heart, right? And okay. it comes down to my heart and believing that when God will judge my heart and of eternity, we'll be on the same page. So it comes down to that. Um, it wasn't the personal experience that said. You know, I believe God. God was all part of that, and He. But I don't believe it's the because I was adopted. I am a Christian. I wouldn't say okay. I became a Christian because of my personal experience. I have to gotcha. thank God by being stuck in this faith. I'm not. It was a personal choice and a relationship. Um, but when I look at the story, it's more about the author of the story than the actual story. And instead of random evolutionary accidents and explosions and chances. Like all of our lives, it's a purposeful design with pain and sorrow, but also hope and love and joy that God didn't say he will eliminate, but he will walk us through those things. So, so I'm aware of my personal experiences and I'm aware that you need evidence for God. And I've, you know, I've looked into those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but based on a combination of those two things of, you know, just feeling it in my life. You have to feel it in your soul and your heart. I can't force somebody to do that. They have to determine on their own, right? And so I wasn't like, oh, my parents went to this church. I had this amazing experience. And somehow I was curious about this and I wanted to fit in. And all this life later, I've chosen to live on my parents' faith, right? I've made it my own. It's been my own from day one. And like, to thank God, I have to be stuck in this faith. No, not at all. It's because of what he did for me, how he transformed my life. I just want to be more like him. I'm not better than anybody else. I just want to be more like him and help others along the way because he helped me along the way. Okay. And along with that can be just that emotion. I've, I've looked at, okay, what, what is the biblical record, right? You know, again, I'm not a scholar, but you got to have mm-hmm. some consistency. And there is, yeah. you know, Jesus wasn't made up, you know, Bible stories or made up, there's archaeological evidence that's for, been found for a lot of these things, not all of them. They're consistent with the timelines. And that only strengthens and encourages me more to connect my personal story and experiences to some of those um, concrete things. It can't just be feelings and emotions. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, oh, okay. So you said it can't just be feelings and emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's not really a factor... In your belief at all, or well, I mean, it, it is. I mean, okay. the, when you know, I before I accepted Christ, I had a hard stone. I was angry. I couldn't say thank you. Can hug people. Can say yeah. I love you. 
um, he changes he changes you from the inside out so that your emotions change. But I'm saying you can't just like live on this emotional high of like, my life is great and Jesus is good and I am always happy. I go through the real reality of this life in this world, not of this world, right? But in this world, through my ups and downs, emotions. But there also needs to be hard and um, firm fruit and evidence. Like what has been the, what's the fruit of my life now that I've accepted Christ, right? How am I living for him and through him in a way? So, yes, there is emotion and, you know, God moves you in amazing ways. He, if you're attuned to the Holy Spirit, you know, you cannot love, hate your neighbor and be in the kingdom of God. You know, you can't, I can't have a heart of hate and yeah. contradict who I am in Christ. Um, so it's, yeah, there's a emotion. But when I mentioned the emotional experiences, it's the high schoolers or college kids go to a Christian camp or Christian retreat. They go, they hear the music, they hear the pastor, and like, yes, I'm in for Jesus. Yeah. And they come back to school, and they're getting bullied. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Um, they made fun of. Then, yeah, then that kind of high goes away, right. and then they start questioning everything. So it's a balance. It's a balance okay. of it, too. I guess. Hmm. So can, can someone use that emotion mm-hmm. and come to a conclusion that is not correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. They can... They can, in fact, you know, say that same-sex marriage is in line with the Bible, right? But that's that's just not theologically accurate, right? So, um, you know, I speaking truth and love here, right? Um, churches are changing their theologies and morphing towards the norms of the society instead of standing on the foundation that has lasted centuries um, and standing on that on that truth. So we can always mold and evolve, if you will, but I, I don't want to be my church to be the next Hillary Clinton who 20 years ago says, marriage between a man and a woman, and uh, my, cam- my, my campaign, never mind. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll look like in 20 years. We'll progress another way. So we'll see. I'd rather be firm. Uh, if, if I find that I'm in error of something, if I said something offensive and hurtful, I know I, of course I apologize for that. My, be- my best goal here is to speak truth and love. It is. Uh, but it is on that consistent foundation that Christianity has been on over the years through their rights and wrongs. Christians don't portray Jesus in the best light always. I would agree with that. But I won't say enough firm, solid foundation. But I have a few more questions. Please. I know we've been going for quite a long time. Do you have time for... For more questions? Okay, awesome. Just wanted to check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't want to hold you up too much. I'm good. All right. So I guess I'm going to, I got all your uh, reasons, I think, here. And I, I want to figure out which ones, if you lost that reason, mm-hmm. if you'd still have your belief. So um, I guess with regards to your personal experience, your story, and I guess uh, mm-hmm. everything that you see in your life, that points to God. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to lose that, Mm-hmm. Do you still have your belief? Mm-hmm. So if I was born in Wisconsin into a Christian family and accepted Jesus and had a choice of making it my own faith or being like my parents? Yeah, and, or I guess, and you, I guess you still have your, um, your archaeology. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you still have in your heart your emotion, I know you said. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I guess if you take away that, take away that, do you still have your belief? 
And yeah, I'd be curious. And I think, yes, without it, I, I could. It just depends on who I am growing up in an all American family, right? Okay. And raised in a household. And, you know, to an extent, I had to have those difficult things that form and molded me to see yeah. the contrast. Okay. If I was in a Christian home, and many, many kids do walk away from the Christian faith because they're in church and in a Christian home. And after high school, I was my parents' faith in college, you know, party it up, screw Jesus, like, do your thing, and then discover your source of truth. So I may have, you know, discovered a different source of truth. I may have found my purpose in relationships and different things. Um, right now, my purpose is rooted in Christ and yeah. a personal relationship with Jesus and those around me and living in a Christ-like manner for those around me. But if I would have walked away from it, it could have been source of truth of society. So, yeah, so it just comes down to what I would have decided to do if I was just born in Wisconsin. So um, okay. maybe to an extent it would have been easier to walk away from the faith because I did not have those molding experiences in the first 12 yeah. years of my life. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I guess, should we determine our beliefs and what is what is true about reality mm -hmm. uh, based on some of these molding experiences? Uh, no, not necessarily. They're part okay. of the story. They're not the whole story. Okay. But, you know, there's the before, you know, the doer, and I could feel just a weight lifted when I accepted Christ in my life. Again, it's kind of open, but I just felt free. And then the fruits for the last 18 years and how I've experienced God answer prayers to heal cancer. God, not answer prayers to do that as well, but God to give me hope and relationships and friends and challenges but all the way through just pressing into God and having him be that hope he hasn't failed me I truly feel at peace when it's just me and Jesus absolutely do you think that someone can feel at peace and not have any religious beliefs that they can they feel could. very similar to the way you they feel? Could. They could, okay. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. They could say, hey, I live a good life. You know, I'm at peace in my, you know, you know, you know, gay or lesbian relationship. Yeah. And, you know, and that's where it's, you know, up to, you know, up to them to see, you know, is this yeah. the very best of life or what's beyond this life? And if they press okay. into that, maybe they see something else. But if not, then... I guess, is feeling at peace a, a good way to determine what's true if someone can feel at peace and come to a different conclusion than you? Yeah, they could definitely come to a different yeah. conclusion. It's just how they choose to live that, their life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's where my my hope is that they start thinking, okay, if all of us, we, we worship or idolize something. We're going to be worshiping our house or idolizing a car. But just by instinctively, we do that. And so there's always a curiosity. So you could be agnostic, you could be atheist, or you could be, you know, a believer, yeah. right? So you could be at peace in those three categories. So it could be peace about being atheist, and if you're at peace about being atheist, great. Peace about being agnostic, press into that curiosity. See what's, you know, what is a higher being all about? Press into that. I challenge that. And if you're in your faith, um, do your best not to be a hypocrite, you know. Do your best to truly live out who God calls us to be. And, you know, it stinks because us Christians, myself included, have failed Jesus in living out to the very best because he's perfect and he models much better than we can, ever can. But if you want to have a relationship, you go on a date with that person. You spend time with that person. So if you truly want to pre press into any relationship, you know, open the Bible, you know, spend time in prayer. You can't be like, man, my marriage or my dating relationship stinks 
but I haven't talked to them for five years or seen them in five years because we're 10 states apart. <laughs> we may feel like 10 states apart, but the beautiful thing is, God isn't asking us to travel 2,000 miles. He's saying, hey, I'm right behind you. Check me out. Just check me out. See what I'm worth for. Just check me out. See what you think. You don't like it? You know, maybe you'll be atheist and that's up to you. Um, but that's it's between them and Jesus. It's, it's a heart-to-heart -heart thing. So instinctively, we're all worshiping and idolizing something. And I choose to worship our Creator God, who gave us hope and purpose. Or somebody could worship their Lamborghini. Good for them. Hmm. Okay. I'm wondering if, like, if I were to take away, like, the, or not me. That sounds sure. kind of rude. No, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to be convinced that the yeah. archaeological ar, ar, I can't yeah. say that word apparently. I'm the same word. <laughs> English is my second language. I feel ya. <laughs> but yeah, you. But yeah, the stuff in the dirt. Yeah, the stuff in the dirt. Yeah. <laughs> if you were to find that that was no longer sufficient, mm -hmm. if you were to find that the multiple copies of the Bible, the or many, yeah. many, many multiple copies, if that wasn't sufficient anymore, mm -hmm. if you were to take everything away except for that personal experience, mm -hmm. um, does that affect your belief? Do you believe less and less, or is it still the same? I would have to determine my source of truth, right? So if I don't have the Bible, I never discovered it from some third world country, I never oh, discovered the Bible. I think you misunderstood my question, oh. actually. Um, okay. You still have the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> but the archaeological... Okay. The stuff in the yeah, dirt. Yeah, stuff in the dirt is gone. Okay, so if there's so, no yeah. no physical proof for it, what happened yeah. in the Bible, and the Bible's a fairy tale. That, not, not necessarily that the okay. Bible is a fairy tale. Okay. That's not what my question, yeah. I meant the intent of my question. No, you're good. I meant, um, I guess th there is no uh, hard facts that the, the, the Bible is true. Just, um... So like another, like an alternate reality. Yeah, like you can't determine using yeah. that, that the Bible is true. Okay. That you just have kind of your personal experience to go on and nothing else. Do you still believe as much as you believe today? Hmm. It's an interesting thought. I mean, have my personal experience, and then you have this book that doesn't have burden of proof, right? And so there... I'm more guided by just solely my emotions then. I'm just guided by my emotions and what I feel to be true instead of what I know to be true yeah. based on that stuff in the dirt. And more importantly, the stuff that has impacted my heart and how God has worked through that as well. But yeah, if it was just pure on emotion, I mean, yeah, I could, I could reach all sorts of conclusions. And what's what's your heart behind that? Is your heart to be open to the radical transformation in the beautiful way by God or to prove God wrong? Lee Strobel, it transformed his life in a personal way. Yeah. But if your if your hypothesis is not even a hypothesis, it's just a it's just a, a, the final paragraph of a paper and now you're just putting in fluff to support the final. Or if you have an open end to the paper and you're truly doing discovery. And what do you reach in that paper, in that final paragraph, based on the discovery? So right now, there's the, you know the camps of, you know, you can have the camp of, oh, I'm a you know I'm a Christian, and based on just my feelings, um, man, my parents said that, my church said that, Bible sounds kind of cool. There's no stuff in the dirt, but uh, if I'm stubborn, that's my end, and no matter what, I'm going to frame my argument around it. But if you're truly curious, as I was, I mean, I was just a good person. I was. Um, I, Russian Orthodox, I guess, you know, somewhat religious, but, you know, 
believe in a higher being. So you have to start with that. Kind of where's your heart at? A lot of people just are born like, hmm. no God, no God, never. Or some people might be, ah, no God, my family is atheist or whatever. God failed me. But then start doing the praying, start doing the research. Yeah. And they have an open paragraph at the end of the paper. And if they truly have that open and they reach their conclusion, that that could be a, a transformational moment in their lives. Hmm. Yeah. But I think a lot of us have that final paragraph written and, you know, we just just, just frame it around. So we haven't, that's kind of an analogy to, well, many of us haven't don't have an open mind. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you're saying? That's fair, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and yeah, so to me, that's why here, in, even in my post, um, I want to speak truth and love, right? And so the, you know, to an extent, I can say my final paragraph has been written because I know who I am in Christ, right? And mm -hmm. my mind will be changed. But my hope is that, that there is a group of the open mind where the paragraph isn't written, uh, or maybe, uh, maybe they're still writing and they want to have a different ending to it. I hope to reach them and give them that real hope. So this is kind of awesome. I'm glad that you brought up um, keeping an open mind. Because mm -hmm. this leads me into a question I really like to ask. Yeah. And it's, what would change your mind? What, would, what could you learn that would change your confidence in your belief in God? Mm -hmm. If in my life, after accepting Christ to this very day, mm -hmm. um, I didn't feel answered prayers or God's guidance or wisdom, and it was just pointless, just me talking to a tree or to air, and I didn't, you know, feel or um, thought differently about my outlook on life. Um, then, yeah, then that would impact that. How would you know if a prayer was answered or not answered? Well, a lot of it would be there's a specific need or um, request or maybe even a, a thanks, right? And okay. and it comes to the desired outcome. But sometimes it's an undesired outcome, right? Yeah. And through that, still pressing into God and be like, God, even though I prayed for something differently, is it maybe not your timing yet? And sometimes maybe it's different timing. And sometimes it's truly just... Uh, a, a different, a, a different will, you know. And for me, I thought my testimony would end at twelve and like beautiful story. Uh, but then the first person I dated was, you know, after college. I think I was what twenty four. Um, yeah, first, first, you know, girl I dated and first love, and we were engaged. And I thought that's a person I prayed for since I was, you know, young. Um, and you know, 150 days before the wedding, um, you know, she calls it off. Oh. And that was devastating. I mean, that was like getting a knife stuck in the, yeah. your back. And I could, and you, you can choose where you lash out your anger. Do you lash out at the person, or at your friends, or do you make God the scapegoat? And um, in that moment, I wasn't questioning my faith. Um, but I just pressed into God and I again felt his presence. I just felt his hope and I, I was broken. It was a hard time. I lost 20 pounds. Very difficult time. I'm sorry you that know. happened. Thank you. Um, then date a second person a few years later. Just didn't work out. Just dating. Mm -hmm. And now I'm engaged and it's been, wow. I'm like, wow. That's why God had me wait 30 years for mm -hmm. that person. If he would have given me, you know, years ago, 
when I see that person now, it's like, we wouldn't have worked out at all. Um, and the only moment, to answer your question fully, the only moment I remember questioning my faith after I had accepted Christ. I was 17. Um, so I accepted Christ when I was 12. And I was on fire for God, obviously. And I was like, I have this hope and a purpose. I can tell my family in Russia, my dad, uh, that that Jesus is the answer. Our relationship with him is the answer. So for my 17th birthday, a month before, my parents sent me back to Russia. I'm just kidding. That was our gift. They paid for a plane ticket. And I went back to see my three aunts, two uncles, cousins, half-cousins, second cousins. It was great. Um, I landed in Moscow and then flew into Tomsk. And um, I just could not wait to talk to my biological dad and give him this hope of the gospel yeah. of Jesus coming to die for our sins, giving us a hope in the future. And I got in the car with my aunt and uncle. I said, hey, let's go see dad. And she said, Vanya, six months ago, he was crossing the street drunk, got hit by a car and died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the one moment I do remember thinking, God, this was my mission. You called me to share your love and goodness. And now for all of you to be in hell. And that was a difficult month in Russia. I, I remember yeah. walking back the, the neighborhood where I walked back, asking my neighbors for food. Um, walked back to the orphanage. I just lost it there. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, that was a tough month. And I remember calling back to my parents here and I said, man, like, why would God do this? Yeah. You know, is my dad in heaven? Is he in hell? Uh, where's my mom? I mean, she died way before then. But, and my parents said, Vanya, I mean, we don't know why hard things happen. You know, right. bad things happen because there's sin, obviously, and why God allows them to happen. Um, and they said, all we can do is just live in that hope of where was his relationship with God. We can never be judges, even to a fellow Christian. There could be a fellow Christian who, a pastor, who'd be cheating on his wife. Yeah. That's not of the kingdom of God, but they're the pastor. Mm-hmm. So we can never judge outward appearance. And so back then, at, you know, 13 years ago, um, it was hard. And, you know, I still, you know, I still wrestle that from time to time. I think about that. I know I hope he's in heaven. I pray for him that he's in heaven. But it's just between his heart and God's heart. And so I thank you for, you know, bringing up that question. I think that is the one moment I remember truly okay. thinking is if God, you know, if God is real, why would he allow that to happen? Yeah, yeah. Um, or even for anything. You know, my dad in a submarine accident, or my mom dying. So all these things worked out for a purpose. But yeah, I remember at 17 thinking that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm so sorry that happened. That's... Thank you. Thank you. It's, um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, yeah. It's hard to explain. Hard to yeah. explain. Um, but that's, that's my hope that one day, you know, I'll, I'll see him. Sure. Um, and we'll see We'll see. Yeah. Um, well, I, I guess I want to go back to to kind of the happy <laughs> happy thoughts here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so you, you you were engaged to to this woman, mm-hmm. and, and um, it just yeah. she kind of put yeah. that knife right in the back. Yeah. Um, then you dated, and that didn't work out yet. But then you found this amazing person, mm-hmm. and that's the person you're about to to marry, I presume. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. that's what I thought. Yeah. And I, I guess engagement pictures tomorrow. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that all the the events that you described and that I kind of repeated back to you, do you think those events could have happened without a God? 
Oh, sure. Yeah, because those were personal decisions that were made. Yeah. Um, or things that happened. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I don't think God necessarily, you know, kind of spins the world back like a, you know, spinny thing and just lets it spin out of control for the next few thousand years. Mm. Um, you know, I, you know, let's say I believe that there wasn't a God, then, um, yeah, those events could have happened. Those are personal choices, yeah. right? Love is a choice. You know, mm-hmm. he, right, she or I have to choose to love each other, right? Right. You know, second relationship, it was, you know, a choice of faith preferences, actually, right? And how that works out. Um, you know, still a great person, you know, and um, I, I wish them both nothing but the best. I truly do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're right, yeah. Um, without a God, those things could have happened, yes. Okay. I guess that might not necessarily be a good reason to believe that that being the reason to believe that a God does exist mm-hmm. if that those things could have happened without a God mm-hmm. right are sure. we on the same page there? Sure. okay yeah. yeah okay is that the same thing for for prayer as well to pray and then think that outcomes are not based on God's answered prayer kind of the same same thing yeah. where these events could have happened mm-hmm. without a God um, mm-hmm. I, I guess if those things could happen without a God sure. is it a, is answered prayer a good reason to believe that there is a God it's it's part again it's all parts of that right it all starts with your heart right and your heart condition where you're at mm-hmm. um, but events happen and right if you're an atheist you would think events just happen because they happen right and that's just your point of view but there are some just some crazy testimonies and testimonials of there is a spiritual warfare both a demonic and a heavenly one i know a story a story of missionary when people were throwing i have to look it up throwing like um fire sticks or rocks and the people who were praying inside of there they saw it was either like rain or like flowers falling down so like some supernatural things and okay. i mean people who experiment with ouija boards they feel the demonic source so i mean i never have but from what from what i've heard and so there is a spiritual warfare and we can define it and frame it in whatever religion we may right but there's a spiritual warfare and so i believe there are spiritual forces interacting um on on those prayers and to me specifically through god Hmm. yeah i guess how do you know that there is a spiritual warfare um, is, is there a reason that you have to believe that is true? Like, what is what is the oh, reason? Well, just the tugging at all of our hearts every day to choose to do between even what, you know, is necessarily even right and wrong according to legal standards or right and wrong according to the Bible standards, which I would define a lot of it's from the Ten Commandments that are used for legal standards. But our daily struggle, the daily struggle of what is right or wrong or why am I here? And that innate desire to worship or uplift something could be your car, could be your dog, but we all crave the desire. My favorite is sporting events, right? At churches, you're like, hey, you're worshiping God. It's a sign of surrender. But sporting events, what's our first reactions? Yes. Mm-hmm. And you're free. You're happy to surrender. I think it's just a beautiful portrait of God saying, free yourself, surrender yourself to me. And in a way, not people at sporting events are at church. But in a way, it's like all right, innate reaction of like reaching towards something higher opening ourselves that posture of surrender. I think it's just poetically beautiful by God that he does that. Um, But, yeah, again, based on people's experiences, their source of truth and how 
they define the end, right? You know, I've defined my end, you know, um, that last paragraph. You know, it can either be coincidence and chance, you know, or it mm. could be answered prayer, right? So it comes down to how, how you truly just define it, right? If I, if I chose to be mad at God for my dad dying or my call off engagement or me, I don't know, losing election, you know, something like that, um, that's me making God the scapegoat. So I have now put all the bad stuff on that scapegoat and I cannot have that scapegoat ever back in my life. People who don't have God, what do we do that with? We do it to our boss. We do it mm. to our ex. We do it to our family members. We all have that scapegoat that we choose. It takes effort. It, and you can see in people's lives that bitterness and anger, it contours our body in a bad way. Um, so we all have that scapegoat. And for all the bad things in the sinful world, or let's just say in this bad world, if you're atheist, who is your scapegoat for all those bad things? And if it's God, then you're going to choose. I, I hope you choose to reconsider that scapegoat. Hmm. But if that scapegoat is God, all the bad stuff has to be on God. And if you let God come back, in your opinion, all the bad stuff will come back to you. Um, so life is hard. There's sin. There's brokenness. Who is our scapegoat? Who is our scapegoat? And for me, scapegoat has to be forgiveness. It has to be, man, I choose to forgive. One of my most beautiful examples was when a police officer shot this young man's um, brother by, by mistake. And he's like, can I give her a hug? Right, The brother of whose um, brother just died. Right, He wanted to give the villain that, that hug saying, I forgive you. I love you. And so we all have scapegoats. We have demons in the closet, if you will. And I would say, who's your God? Who's your scapegoat? And what are you living for? All right, I think I'm going to wrap it up with one last question, and then I'll let you go because we have Absolutely. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how long you expected. But... No, this was great. Okay, good. I'm glad to be, you know, thinking these things through. This is very well done. Thank you. I yeah. appreciate it. So, oh, what was the question I was going to ask now? No, you're good. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? Um, oh, yes. So, with regards to a god, gods, I guess a higher power of any kind, it doesn't really matter what is the best way to determine, best re, the most reliable way mm -hmm. to determine that that God or God's higher power in general uh, is is true and corresponds with yep. reality? Yep. What's the best way? I would say best way is at least give it a shot. You know, give it a shot. You know, um, read the Bible, do some praying, right? Um, I guess if if someone else read like the Quran yeah. or a, another holy book, yeah. How if that's the best way? How do we figure out which one of those is is true? Mm -hmm. I, I would say find the one that's different, and the one that's different is the one where the God came down and made Himself man, and reached for us and searched for us, and is still there for us compared to all these other ones that say. Okay. Worship this higher thing. Is, is something that's different always with regards to, to claims about reality? Mm -hmm. um, you know, it can be anything. Yeah. Is the one that's different always the one that's true? Not necessarily. Um, in this something case? to be different. But in this case, you go to the burden of proof, the archaeological records, right? Okay. To, to experiences in your life. 
that heart condition, right? It, it's, it's a balance of all of those things. So it's not only different, but it has the most proof of any religion out there. And it's unique, not just to be unique, it's radically, I mean, not to, you know, separation of church and state, but America, it's a uniquely different concept. I mean, Russia has had how many constitutions? 20-some? So constitutions, democracy, but America's only had one yeah. with all issues and flaws. So same idea, you know, Christianity, it's different, it's unique, it's radical, uh, not always similar to America, not always has a track record of crusades or any, yeah. all the good things, for instance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but when you press into that personally, you, you can't just go from the mind, you gotta get, the mind stuff is good and the history, but connected to the heart. And I mean, there's the evidence of the archeological stuff where we're just sitting, just the evidence. Every year, no matter COVID, no matter war, it comes back like clockwork. The seasons come and go, the days come and go. The smallest of molecules and ants and birds, God has revealed himself in all of creation as well. You know, and that's Genesis, right? So, I mean, how did all this happen by accident? When we blow up a building, that thing goes down. Miller Park, you know, when we took that thing down, that County Stadium, we yeah, took that one. thing down. <laughs> it went down, right? And we created a beautiful Miller Park with a lot of delicate work. And so here we have, you know, evolution. You have an ex big bang and explosion. And somehow all of that is orchestrated. All of this is orchestrated by that explosion. So God reveals himself through the archaeological record, the uniqueness of the faith, the heart condition that we choose to press into, what we're surrounded by. How, how did we get here, you know? How did all this stuff get here? If, um, yeah. if you were to, let's say, I'm not saying this would happen, or you, but yeah. let's say you decided to study Big Bang cosmology. Mm -hmm. And sure. uh, for whatever reason, you were... You, uh, we're able to determine mm -hmm. to your satisfaction mm -hmm. that that the Big Bang theory is is true. Mm -hmm. Do you still believe in God? I would. I would. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I it would be a different faith. I think I, I see your point there, yeah. though. Yeah. It would be a different faith because I have to throw Genesis out, though. I have to scrap Genesis. And I have to start scrapping parts of the Bible. Sure. And eventually, I have to be like, you know what? My knowledge and understanding. I want to be the creator, I want to be the creation. And it might come to a point where I may believe and I might eventually push away God, right? Because mm. I, I now become the creator, I'm not no longer the creation. And based on here, I will change the heart. And then what's my new source of truth? Is it my Corvette? Is it Buddha? Is it politics? What is it? What's the next thing, right? So I see your question, it's a fair question. So if I studied and was somehow persuaded to the Big Bang is a thing. Oh man, if the gods, if my source of truth, God's um, first book in Genesis, you scrap that. Oh, we got some questions, right? Hmm. And you know, Old Testament and cultural practices aside, you know, we can get into that theological circle for days. Um, you know, it's like, oh, it should be stoning people. You know, it, you know, it goes to the circle, right? But yeah, so if I, I said. Yeah, Big Bang happened by chance. It just happened. And there's nothing there. Number one, how hopeless is that? Right? Mm. I mean, hope. Be like, we just got here, and we're just here for 80 years, make some money, do our thing, and go in the dirt. 
Do you think it's possible it's that, hopeless. that people, maybe yeah. maybe Christians, yeah. I, I, I would think so. Do you, do you think it's possible that that they might look at the Big Bang and believe that that was God doing that? Yeah, there are Christians who yeah believe in evolution, but yeah. also in the Bible. Right. And so my challenge to them there, if you believe that, as the scripture says, that the Bible is inspired, undeniable word of God. How can you take away the first book and say, well, minus that, it's good. But then it gets into, oh, maybe this book is not good. And then this book, and we start cherry picking, right? Uh-huh. And so it's like, what do you read the Bible to be, right? And it sounds crazy. And the God is te- limitless, but he created the world in six days and rest on the seventh. Sounds insane. Do you think so if I'm the creator, it sounds insane to me if I'm a creator, but oh. if there's a higher deity that's a creator and can pull it off, man, that's, that, gives, that gives you hope for that he can pull off um, peace in Ukraine. He can pull off the battle against cancer. He can pull off that, the devastating childhood and orphanage. Yeah. Do you think that parts of the Bible uh, should be examined critically? Do you think we should question whether parts of it are Oh, absolutely, because you have okay. to take it into, yeah, I would yeah. agree with you, absolutely. Okay. What were the cultural norms of the time, technology advances, things of that sort? Um, you know, we have death penalty in some states, but we don't do it by stoning, right? Yeah. But there's a death penalty. Um, you know, should we... Jesus said pick up... It, he was the one who said, pick up the first stone and throw that at that sinner, you know, that woman who committed commit adultery. Be the first one to throw a stone. And that's why when I look at the LGBTQI plus community, I, I can't say you're you're bad people. I, I can't make that. I'm not God. I cannot. I have enough junk and sin in my own life. I cannot be the one to pick up that stone and throw it at them. I, I want to do, speak truth and love. And again, full circle, we can have different sources of truth, definition and preferences. Um, but yeah, Parts of the Bible should be examined carefully. And I love what Lee Strobel did, an atheist. And he said, I am going to take that very book and just double down. But he said, I'm gonna, the one thing he said is going to do, well, no, he, he did write his last paragraph. That's re- remarkable. His last paragraph was written. He said, God is dead. There is no God. And somehow, somehow God worked in his life, an atheist, mm. with a finished paragraph. Yeah. said, Lee, I'm going to use you to do some amazing work. And if you watch that movie and read that book, it at least gets you thinking. It doesn't make you a Christian. Yeah. That's the amazing thing. There's nothing that I can do or say or Lee Strobel or anybody. It that cannot is be forced. exactly what Jerry said. It's a free will. <laughs> it's a free will, right? Yeah. It's a free will. That's what's so beautiful about it. These other religions, if you're not in that religion, you're outcast. Goodbye to the family. And it happens in Christian circles, right? Christian yeah, parents yeah, have said, I have a gay son. Adios. And I would challenge those Christian parents. That's not theologically accurate. That's not consistent with the Bible. You know? You know? That's a good thought. You know, I, I get married. I have a kid. And if one of my two, my boy is gay and my girl is lesbian. Mm-hmm. I, I can't force my faith on them. But I will not disown them. Um... I will still love them because I, I love them for who they are as people, as my kids. Do I approve? You know, it's like if a family member who did something wrong is in jail. Do you condone what they did? No, but you still love them. You I'm know. Just, just wondering a quick 
quick question. Yeah. Um, if if your son or daughter did end up being gay, yeah. lesbian, as you said, yeah, um, would you want them to be able to get get married? If they saw happiness and you know that the choice they chose to do, mm-hmm. then that's their choice to do, and okay. I, I would be okay with that. Okay. But to me, you know, I would see that as a as more of a ceremony because marriage is instituted by God between man and a woman, and I would I would attend that, and sure. I would, you know, I would, um, you know, I would want to support my child recognizing I don't agree with the decision and I would prefer they didn't do that mm-hmm. but Christ didn't win over the sinners by walking away he dined with the sinners the prostitutes the tax collectors and and so to me my hope would be that hey you know that one day they'll come to Christ that'd be my prayer just like with my dad if they died in their you know in their marriage of the opposite gender and then that's really up to God to make that call. And, and to those who are in those relationships now, I can't make that call. Mm-hmm. If you know, that's that's God's judgment. But based on God's word, um, um, I, I don't see a path between uh, uh, those choices and His promise of um, eternity in heaven. So it'd be very hard. Uh, it'd be very hard. I feel for so many parents and people. And um, yeah, but I, I would not push my kids aside. I wouldn't do that. Kind of going to put almost true epistemology kind of aside just for the yeah. moment. I kind of did it with that question. Yeah. Um, but and, and I, I'm just going to kind of mm-hmm. get out of that for a moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I take it that you're, the impression that I got, and I think this impression is right, yeah. is that uh, you wouldn't support uh, gay marriage as a law. Would I be correct with that or incorrect? So if I was like a, in Congress, basically, yeah, and, yeah, and, and well, or, or, just or Supreme Court, you as a as a yeah. citizen, it doesn't really. If you don't want to yeah. answer this question, no. That's okay. So I mean, I recognize it's the law of the land, yeah. but not all laws are good. Like Plessy v. Ferguson okay. or Roe v. Wade, for that matter, you're killing babies. You know, not all laws are good. These are man-made Supreme Court justices are people with their sources of truth, their yeah. preferences, and their definitions, and they can frame arguments and points to make their conclusion. Um, but marriage is between a man and a woman. Is there a, 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 cere- a unity ceremony, if you will, or however you want to define it, or the societal marriage, like societal marriage and God's marriage? Um, those are two different things. Because God's marriage is between a man and a woman. Yeah. I'm wondering if we can come to almost an agreement here. Okay. Um, I wonder if we could agree that... Uh, a marriage between, let's say, a, a Christian man and a mm-hmm. Christian woman. Mm-hmm. We can call that biblical marriage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then perhaps we can call maybe a marriage between an atheist man and an atheist mm-hmm. woman. Maybe we can just call that marriage. Maybe we can call mm-hmm. between a woman and another woman. We can mm-hmm. just call that marriage. Mm-hmm. Can we? Are we on the same page there? I mean, as defined by society, yeah. Okay. I mean, th- th- okay. that's the name we give for an institution, right? And it's marriage. So, yeah, those yeah. people are married. But, you know, it is not the definition of God or the fullest extent that God okay. intended it to be in the definition of the biblical marriage. So I'm wondering if this controversy yeah. is just a definition problem. I, 
Yeah, yeah, definition of source of truth and a preference problem, yeah. Mm. Yeah, but you're right. Okay. You're right, that's a okay. fair point, yeah. comes down to what is your source of truth that you define and your preference out of that definition. So, yeah, yeah so, I mean, the semantics, right? The semantics of, um, you know, Plessy v. Ferguson, separate but equal, right? It's like, well, you know, it's you got rights, you got the same buildings, but it's so wrong. <laughs> it is so clearly wrong that it was reversed with Brown v. v. Board. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, the semantics of it, you know, yeah. Keep it simple, not overthink it. You know, gay marriage, biblical marriage, atheist marriage. Sure, it is marriage, but we just define marriage differently then. Yeah. And to no, be like I... more, yeah, semantically clear, that's where I say it would be like more of a, you know, a unity ceremony because for me, marriage equals Bible and God's okay. definition. And so, yeah, I wouldn't argue like till I'm blue in the face, like, that's not a marriage. Like, yes, it's a marriage as defined by society. But for me, I'd separate it with my definition of a unity. So, yeah, I don't want to, you know, die in the hill of the definition. But um, but, but it's intent. I think we should, you know, view through what God designed it to be. Okay. I don't think I have any more questions for you. So I'm going to give you a chance to basically ask me anything that you would like. Yeah. Um, this, number one, thank you for doing this. This was really good. Uh, very helpful for me to even think through some of these things. Good. Um, I would ask, you know, as a third party and outsider, when you saw this post, mm -hmm. how did it make you feel and what were you, some of your reactions from this post? <sighs> okay. Difficult question. You, you don't have to answer it, no, but... I can answer it. Okay. Um, I was a little frustrated, okay. in all honesty. Yep. Okay. Um... Not because. Uh, Let me actually look at it for a yeah, moment again. Yeah, absolutely. Just so I. Yeah, no, that's fair. Know what I'm. I guess. Uh, are you seeing kind of a juxtaposition, perhaps, between love and respect, yet truth and conviction, and how it's still not necessarily okay? Uh, I could see. Like I think. I think the reason I, I felt a little bit, I, w I would say disheartened okay. would be a good okay. good word to use. That's fair. Um, and, and the reason why is I, I understand that you mean the, mean the best for everybody. I, I can tell by talking to you, even before that, reading this, mm -hmm. I think I could tell that you wanted what was best for, mm -hmm. for everybody. I think we share a common mm -hmm. goal. Yep. I think that goal being we want to prioritize a human well-being. Yep. Is that? Yes. I think we absolutely share that goal. And I, and I took notice of that in your mm -hmm. post. I, I totally okay. did. I appreciate it. Thank you. But um, at the same time, I, I do feel like some of the, some of the content, mm -hmm. the way I determine uh, what is true and what is untrue, mm -hmm. I think there's a, a little bit of a disagreement. Um, mm -hmm. disagreement there. So I may determine yeah. that something is true and um, yeah. may be uh, better for someone's well-being yeah. and you might um, look at something and determine a truth mm -hmm. and determine that something else is better for someone's well-being. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess... Uh, That's fair. Yeah. And I guess some of the um, the harder facts, uh, for example, mm -hmm. the, the schools, Yeah. I, yeah. I think we may... Uh, have some disagreement on that. That's I, fair. Yeah. And what I love about you doing this is 
this is so much better for mental health, this, not yes. this. Yes. So much better for mental yes. health. Um, and the goal of my post, I, I know I speak truth and love and truth can be divisive sometimes. The goal is to maybe get more of this in person dialogue, hopefully, that people, you know, can get away from the walls and the keyboard warriors at my heart. I, I, I don't hate people, you know, I don't hate any communities. Um, but if I wanted to please everybody, I'd be selling ice cream, right? And, <laughs> and, and both in, yeah, in pursuing politics and leadership at work and who I am in my faith. I can never do that. Mm. Because if we just said, you know, hey, I'll, you know, I'll go do your thing, you know, it wouldn't be ethics or morals. Somebody created those, right? We have a guiding compass, right? So it's this fine line of definitions, and we, we may not agree with it. You know, like in America, we disagree with countries that don't let women drive. We disagree with slavery. It's some very wrong concepts. Yeah. And because for the human well-being, those are good things. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, but some, when we twist and put kids in these positions of like seeing these things or giving them these drugs or whatnot, and there's just this disagreement that's fine. But I think that's the issue. You come to community hall and talk it over dinner and be like, hey, my bro older brother and I disagree, but hey, we're going to choose family first and yeah, totally, choose each other totally. first and move on. And so, yeah, I just hope, and that's what I love about the Lama. Like, um, it's great journalism. It, it, it's free what you're doing. I love what you're doing. It's great journalism. It's free. It's not censored. Um, let's have those discussions. And can we get to a place as a society that we may have our views, but we don't have to be stuck on our sides of the keyboard? Yeah. On our sides of the fence, our sides of the political aisle. You know, can we come into a room and, and be in disagreement? But the heart, not bitterly hate that person, right? Yeah, be civil. Yeah, yeah be yeah, civil. Absolutely. And that's why absolutely. I appreciate what you are doing, what the Lama does with those live videos. And we just need more of that. And and to those, you know, uh, to those who saw this post and, you know, interpreted it in a way that was hurtful, was painful, know that was my intent. I'd be the first to apologize for that. I don't apologize because I don't believe this is true. I apologize because my intent is not to hurt you. My intent is to have a dialogue. And on that Lama page, I'm one of the few, if not the only, to say that. But yeah. isn't that what's healthy for society? To take different points of views? What if we all drove a white Toyota Corolla, lived in a one-bedroom apartment, wore gray clothes? Right? No, that's we're intended for to have those different views. And, you know, some would argue different, you know, genders and preferences, but... Uh, we can go back and watch this video again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, my goal is it's your heart and God's heart. And I'll put it out there. I'll say, check it out. But I'm not going to, I'm gonna, not going to force you to do anything. I'll come and support you, but I'm not going to force you to do anything or hate you. No, that's the opposite of love. Judge people by content uh, of their character, you know, as MLK would say. And, you know, love people. And, and so I think the intent of the Pride Flag and June's Pride Month was pure at its core. There were kids bullied in schools. There were kids disowned from families. There were kids through traumatic experiences who were suppressed for decades and silent, afraid if they came out. And, and so it provided that important place for discussion to say that is not okay. And I would agree. But... It is snowballing and snowballing 
to what are the limits? Now we don't no longer define what a, you know, the Supreme Court nominee could not define a woman, could not define two X chromosomes. That's concerning. That's concerning. So when do, what's the end goal here? When does the snowball stop getting built? Because we are, pedophiles are now minor attracted people. So are we perverting this beautiful thing against bullying and for unity as being perverted towards shoving in kids' faces and, and now politically correct language of, you know, uh, um, uh, somebody who assaults kids, a pervert. Um, again, a thing of definition. And if it define it soft enough, minor attracted person. If I'm a four-year-old, five-year-old, why do you think, oh, minor attracted person, okay. When I'm older, am I a minor attracted person? Like, okay. It doesn't have the consequences. We we you all have... ask a question? We all have actions, this? but there's consequences. Yeah, yeah. I guess you said that, you know, it's a snowball effect, and when does it stop? Yeah. Um, I guess, I, I guess I, that was a rhetorical question. Yeah. But I think I might have an answer. Okay. I think it might stop when human well-being is negatively impacted. I think that's where it should stop. I guess, would you agree with that? Yeah, and I, I, I wonder a lot, there are people who are ste stepping up and saying, man, I did this gender thing or took these pills and boy, yeah. do I regret it. They are stepping up. And that impact is impacting them physically now, mentally emotionally and so just because the media and society isn't promoting it maybe it's the two percent that the hundred percent or the 98 percent just because they're a minority doesn't mean it's not impacting them so again what is the definition of a society well-being we're not hearing those cases but there are many who say man what was i doing at that age making that a life-altering decision hmm. i mean you can't go back you cannot go back and then then it, back to the circle of bullying yourself mental health now are people bullying me again? The well-being is, that was the original goal here. And I agree with well-being. But now it's turned into a political agenda. And it's defined by a party and pushed by a party. So it's very much about sides. And now a Supreme Court justice, who's going to define the future laws of our land, when asked, can you define what a woman is? Being a woman herself, mm -hmm. trying to be politically correct to support her party and the majority mm -hmm. until November, <laughs> um, could not give an answer of what a woman is. It wasn't a trap. It yeah. was just... And, and so science used to be all about questions. And now, you know, it's a definition. It's science definitive. It's not, it's, that's not how science works. And if scientists with a different view, with a different view that aligns maybe with the political party per se, maybe not even political, but a different view has a different definition and doesn't fit that narrative, that's not science. Well, what do you mean? So, same concept. We, we just come to, what is our definition of humanity's well-being, right? Well-being, what will make us happy? Well, how many body change surgeries will make us happy? How many shots of alcohol will make us happy? How many spouses will make us happy? How many cars will make us happy? Right? Mm. Right? I so, that was rhetorical, but mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I think maybe it depends on the individual. Right? I mean, so to back to where ahead. it started. So, a minor attracted person. So, if a person, if, it's, if that mm. person's well being were kids under the age of 10, it, it's for the, they like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I, 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 and now we I call them minor attracted saying. persons. 
would that negatively and like if they were to uh, act on that, that obviously would severely negatively impact yeah. their victim. Obviously, yeah. you know, yeah. no questions asked. Horrendous. There. Yeah. So I would, I would think that that's kind of where that line gets drawn there in that circumstance. Obviously, they can't. Uh, so okay, so when somebody's know. actions impact somebody else negatively. Yeah, yeah absolutely. If yeah. if there is somebody who's taking action that is negatively impacting. Yeah. Somebody else's well-being. Yeah. That probably is a pretty good. So shouldn't line. schools give these kids options and not push a specific curriculum that's defined by political background or political definition? That's the issue with these parents who may be conservatives, have their kids in public school, mm -hmm. and the kids are reading this material. Well, there is no choice or well-being for those kids because those kids said, "We're told no praying and no Bible, but check this book out." Are so they? back to kind of full circle. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. They were told not to pray. Like, well, there, there's in public schools. They have significant push against prayer before football games, or prayer in school, or publicly uh, reading the Bible. I'm, it's. I'm wondering if this is. A, it's not promoted it, per se. Yeah, it's not. It's not promoted. But these but books about sex positions are. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. You see, I love your love your example earlier about American flagpole in the middle. Yeah. The pride flag and the Christian flag, right? Okay. But the side tends to be Democrat, not all, but they'll quickly say, well, it's easy. It's separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. So that's why my definition is right. Well, yeah, separation of church and state is true, yeah. but all those parents of both backgrounds are paying taxes for that public school. Even homeschool parents pay for that public school, but we don't benefit from it, which is whatever, um, right? So again, we, we, we say no to prayer because we prefer this new definition. No to these books. And so there's a people, there's an author with his source of truth or her source of truth with their preferences and their definition. And so either we make both options available. Now, even history can be twisted, but like there's like math, you know, that's black and white. That's good. Math, science, history. Let's, let's focus on that. Let's just leave school to that. And at homes, let's talk to our kids about their gender or whatnot or whatnot. It's just not not the place in school, and so that's I think that's that's what's happening. Okay. Okay. Hmm. I liked your kind of your example of the the football example. Um, yeah, coach is a Supreme Court case right now, right? Yeah. And you said that you should offer both options, and mm -hmm. you can pray or you can sit to the side or something, right? Yeah, like before the national anthem, pre, during Juneteenth well, and playing the, you know, the, the anthem. Yeah. And I'm, I'm wondering if if it would be okay if instead of, uh, like, a Christian prayer, if they, like, read from from the, um, let's say, the, the, the Quran before the football game. Yeah, and but, it's similar It's similar to what the city council does with, with different invocations, right? And so... I think it's a Christian school. The Christian school is probably going to limit it to their definition. Oh, but if yeah, it's yeah, a public school, that is a perfect example. Absolutely. If we want to have week one, Quran, week two, just silence because it's, a, you know, uh, it's an atheist. Week three, we got the Billy Graham of the world up there and bring it home, right? Because yay for me. Okay. But that's where the parents, again, have their choice of their definition. They'll send them to Providence. They'll send them to private schools, whatnot. Um and then that's a whole argument of like government-funded money and vouchers. And it's like, well, wait a second. We're all taxpayers, and you're choosing to put your kids in different schools. So it comes down to source of truth, 
I hate to be a broken record. Source <laughs> of truth, definition, and preference. It really does. And yeah. right now we're kind of in, the, in a way in the battle, right, of what, how do we want to define America? What is our source of truth in America? And what is its future? And I think, I think the issue with government, it, one of the parties is struggling to meet black and white math stuff, right? So they try to campaign on all of this. Where's the end in sight? They try to say, hey, you know, I flew the flag over and that's the break of progress. And the other side is saying, you know, gas prices too high, inflation too high. They have certain number goals, right? And Green Bay is like, well, we're at 82 of 100 or 84 of 100 on the pride scale. Okay, that's, that's good, I guess. And so one side has decided to define America through those loose concepts compared to, you know, conservative side that I am obviously not leading to but part of as well. And my definition, my fight both spiritual but also for America to an extent, is that those actual tangible goals of of like, you know, one side says, it's no longer partisan, it's like almost illogical, and I'll wrap it up here, but it's like illegal immigrants don't need, don't need, um, you know, any proof for crossing, right? Um, but we can give them a free driver's license if they want to drive. But then when they come to the polls, they don't need that ID to identify themselves. So it's like we give free licenses, but used for only certainly defined purposes. So, right? So again, I don't want to get a, a whole rant here. But yeah, so I mean, to your point, it kind of comes back to, yeah, if we, if we truly want to have pride and love, um, it's not defined by the views of a certain group that may be popular during that month. And it's sad that Wall Street capitalizes on it so big time because a lot of the group on, in, on Pride Month are the ones who are saying Wall Street, you know, up yours. Mm-hmm. But in June, boy, do we eat up those clothings, those, cereals um so some companies may be genuine about it and i think we're all working towards an inclusive environment we should never hire by sexual preference never <laughs> uh it's illegal hmm. but technically there are laws in place that don't allow for discrimination right so when cities take these political stances and say oh our city is for equality well technically there's a federal law already protecting that um so let's not just do these you know, sentimental things or feel-good things, but let's actually do what's, like you said, what's actually best, best for, for well-being. For well-being, yeah. Okay. So, man, we should more more of these. Uh, so many thoughts. Okay. <laughs> but right, I think that's kind of I would kind of end it at that of you know, sorts of truth, your okay. definition and preference. And I, I think right now we can't do this as much because we have a, we really have not only not a spiritual fight, but we have a. Uh, really fight for this country. We want to determine we're as divided as ever. 50-50 in the Senate, seven seats apart in the House, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I want to, yeah, I just want to have these civil discussions. We can disagree. Um, but this was really good. Thank you for doing this. Really All appreciate right. your time. All right. Awesome. Uh, do you have anything, any other questions for me or is this a wrap? I would say it's a wrap. Thank All you for right. doing this. And everybody, thank you for watching, whether you agree or disagree. Um, this is where it's at. This is the example that um, the new standard you're setting here, face-to-face conversations that need to lead to anger or frustrations, uh, but it can lead to thoughts and, um, and civility, right? And, and, and the beautiful definition of inclusion and diversity. We have different thoughts, different perspectives, but you included me in those conversations we didn't smack each other. We're good. We're going to move on. We're going to slash each other's tires. 
my car's still good, good. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that that should be the pride year. So awesome! Appreciate right. your time. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming out and agreeing to this. Absolutely, I'm glad the sun came out. Kind of warmed up a little bit there. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very nice. Well, okay, keep up with the good work. I I know. Almost two hours? Wow! Yeah, look it, at look at us. Went down quite a. Did your battery survive that? Bit? It did. Okay, yeah, we're all good. I know how to work that thing. And that is why I plugged it in. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, thank you so much. This was awesome.